Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the In Context and Culture podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us once again for another great episode. We hope uh, we've been walking through the book of Revelation together this season. Hey, today we are going to just going to take a break from the book of Revelation just to talk about ourselves, some questions we might have, maybe some questions that we see people in our church having, uh, some young adults uh, in our churches having, even students in our churches having. Uh, we thought it might be a good time for you to get to know a little bit more about us. Uh, take a break, break from the book of Revelation and then uh, maybe just hear some of our thoughts on current cultural issues. So, Corey, um, I know you don't have a clue what I'm about to ask you, but um, as we get started with this brief and unique episode, uh, why don't you just tell people, obviously they know, they know your name, obviously you've mentioned before you serve as a pastor at West Baptist in Batesville, Arkansas, but just tell me a little bit more about your story, maybe five minutes about, okay, why are you a pastor now? Or how did you become a pastor in Batesville, Arkansas? Yeah, that's a pretty in-depth story. I hope I can do it in five minutes. But um, honestly, uh, I grew up in the church that you, well, I went to the church that you grew up in, uh, First Baptist West Plains. And uh, Sherry and I got married and we started attending there. We didn't even visit another church in town. Like we found that one. We went to it. We were there about 10 years. And uh, over the course of that time, I uh, we, I knew God had something else for me. Like I was managing a subway uh, sandwich shop. And so like, I didn't feel like that was God's plan for my entire life. Uh, even though we thought we were going to buy that thing and be, you know, tycoons uh, in the and sub you guys business. Were killing it. There's a, yeah, quite well, a few people from our church that were involved. Yeah. In yeah. We had a lot of employees and, uh, but like that was, that was part of God's timing and plan there as well as I employed a lot of people uh, from the church and um, you were discipling even, them even Clark Parrott, uh, you remember him? Like he yeah. was my, he was my, uh, one of my co-managers there. You were meeting and with I really them regularly. Be- you were discipling them. Well, we, we, no, nah, well, I wish I could say that. Like we weren't that in depth, but like we do, sure, we but- weren't kind of doing informal, I guess, discipleship. We were trying yeah. to lead them and, and, uh, Clark and I kind of made that our ministry there. And, uh, so it was a good time. And I learned a lot about boldness in Christ from Clark. Cause I can remember him walking, uh, people would walk in the, sandwich shop and uh and clark and i we both had at that time we both had our hair cut real short and uh people would be like are you two brothers and clark would just be like we're brothers in christ and like the people on the other side of the counter like had no idea how to respond to that right right but it for me it was awesome just because you know like i was not one that was just going to be outwardly a vocal like that and if you know clark he's not he's not shy and so that was it you uh you no, he was really good for me. But um, anyway, God used that time working there and uh, working with students because um, we employed a ton of teenagers and um, also began working with students at the church. And that used that to kind of call me to ministry and, and do youth ministry. I really thought I was going to do youth ministry my whole life. Like I figured I'd be one of these guys that were, um, you know, in my 60s, still trying to dress cool or whatever. I don't know. But uh uh, I thought I would do youth ministry and I loved doing youth ministry. And there are a lot of things I still miss about it uh, just because students are so formative in that time. But uh, God uh, called me to ministry. So I moved to, to Louisville and went to seminary there. And that was a great experience, uh, man. I would recommend that to anybody uh, to go to Southern seminary because it was such a great time. And uh, that's actually where you're going now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, except for online. And so anyway, uh, 
got done with ministry and actually came, or got done with seminary and actually came to this church uh, where I'm at now and served as a youth pastor here for about two and a half years, something like that. Uh, went over to Rogers and then got to go back to the church in West Plains where I got to be with you and a bunch of other people. And God, that was a real fruitful time in ministry. There's, I can still look back you and tons of others that are still serving the Lord, which I'm super grateful for. Mm. Um, because it means I've got a bunch of co-laborers now. And uh, so, so that was real awesome. But then in 2013, uh, took you all, I don't know if you were on this trip or not, but we went to the Passion Conference in Atlanta and we were there. Uh, and I can remember us singing a song. Uh, and in the midst of that song, there was a line, Jesus commands my destiny. And I don't know how to explain it, dude. Like it's just the Lord said, you need to be doing this. Like you need to be a senior pastor. So went back and shared that with uh, some friends of ours and uh, they began praying. And then it wasn't too long after that. I got a call from a guy here um, that said, Hey, we're looking for a pastor. You should put your resume. And so mm -hmm. I did. And um, I think that I went, we went to that passion conference in January and the next October I was here. And so uh, God really, wow orchestrated some pretty cool things there and uh and i've been here seven i'm going on eight years now um and just seeing the lord bless in a lot of ways and so it's been an exciting time it's been i wouldn't say it was without uh tumult and uh, uh difficulty at times but the lord's been faithful through it all so i'm grateful for that mm. so 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 if, if i just overview just a little bit about what you said so you were serving in the food industry manager saw opportunities uh, to minister to those you employed um, saw opportunities to minister to your employees um, others even who came in the store potentially you had an impact on uh, you were serving in your local church saw uh, a, a gifting you had for student ministry the Lord led you there for or after that into student ministry and then for a time um, uh, of faithful service, the Lord later led you out of student ministry into pastoral ministry. So, yeah, yeah I think there's a few really good lessons in seeing, okay, hey, where the Lord has me, I want to be faithful in. And I think if if I had to characterize, um, you know, what I've seen in in your character, it has been, hey, this is a guy who um, is is faithful on a daily basis. He's consistent and he's compassionate and he's faithful. Um, and so um, I am I am not by my own personality very uh, consistent. Uh, I like to kind of chase different things. And so um, to have your example before me has been a huge blessing. So um, yeah, yeah. What well, some people would call consistent, others might be, gosh, that guy's so boring. <laughs> so <laughs> Oh man, that's so not true. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't remember any of my any of my student ministry times being boring, right? I mean, we did have I mean, some I, fun. For sure. I don't remember too many sermons, but <laughs> but yeah. I, well. I, <laughs> but what I do remember is you poured into our lives. You know, uh, you know, you have uh, I don't know what part of the Bible it is, but it talks about um, it's the New Testament. I think it's said of Paul that he didn't share uh, only the the gospel, but his own life, right? Um, and so that was actually my theme verse whenever I was doing student ministry. Really? Actually. Yeah, yeah it really was. Well, you lived it out, man. Uh, and in ways that probably got you in trouble. I mean, I remember, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's true. I remember 
I'm just telling a few stories here. And then I know you were about to say something, but uh, one year we went to super summer, Arkansas, you, uh, we had to pick a theme for um, uh, our orange school because we were like the orange school and you picked like orange County choppers. And so you took me to someone's house. I don't remember whose house it was in the back of a trailer. Um, well, you took me in the truck, but then after we got the nice, uh, the, the nice motorcycle, motorcycle. Yes. I had to be in this like six by 12 trailer with my shirt off on a really hot day, holding the motorcycle. So it wouldn't fall as you're driving <laughs> on the highway. It had to be 120 in that trailer. It was so warm. I remember also, um, when I was still in youth ministry, I'm going to tell stories that I haven't told because I told some about like throwing up and stuff like that. But, um, I remember, uh, taking my Mustang and Landon taking his Camaro on a really snowy day and just doing a bunch of donuts and asking you if we could play a video after service. (laughs) And so we played a video of us literally peeling out in the church parking lot, which was a terrible idea. And so I remember it was a snow snow thing though. So it's not like you were just laying rubber down. I mean, yeah, but Gene didn't like it. So, um, I I remember, uh, just uh, those were good times. I I look back to those times with great fondness and uh, yeah, good memories, man. So, yeah. What, one thing I was going to say too is, you know, you mentioned just being faithful wherever you are. Like that's one thing I didn't understand whenever I was working at Subway, like I knew God had something else for me. And so like, I was super impatient because from the time that I realized that God had something else for my life until I really felt that definitive call in my life to go into ministry was probably about six years. And so like that, that whole time period, I'm just like, God, will you please hurry up and let me go into ministry, not realizing that I had a ministry where I was. Mm. And, you know, now as a pastor, like sometimes I envy people that can be out there or surrounded by lost people all the time. Right. Because if I have to work at that. Um, I can easily cocoon myself into a bubble of Christianity. And so like, I have to, I have to work at it and be intentional when I'm going to the grocery store, where I'm filling up my tank with gas to talk with people. Like the other day, um, I went and got my oil changed at the, at the Ford place here. And uh, there was a guy I sat down and I dried up my computer because I was still going to work on my sermon while I was there waiting to get my oil changed. And this guy, uh, he was 89 years old. And he just started talking to me. He goes, you don't, do you want some laptops? Like I can sell you four laptops today. And he was telling me all about them. And I was like, well, I like, I mean, I, I got my one here. And that's all I need. But anyway, I, I was, I thought to myself, I, I got to talk to this guy because like it was an opportunity for me that I don't often get. And I got to hear all about his life and being in the Navy and all of these things and invite him to church and talk to him about, talk to him about the Lord and those kind of things. And so you know, I think that's one thing, whoever's listening to us, it may be one or two people, but whoever's listening, I, I think that's an important thing that I've learned now is that wherever God has planted you bloom there because he's given you a ministry wherever you are. And it may be in a classroom and it may be, you know, working a line in a factory, but he's got you surrounded by people for a reason. So, yeah, I think there's these, these cliche phrases that get thrown out all the time that are really popular right now, like find your purpose, right? Even from, you know, very prominent Christian authors and speakers and influencers. And I think one way in which you lived out and your calling is to live out 
in the Christian life is not to find your purpose. Your purpose has already been found. It's pretty clear in scripture. And so instead of going to try to find something where you're not, be faithful with where God has you at the present time, right? And so instead of the command to kind of this um, ethereal purpose that you're chasing after, right? Um, actually, you know, the command should be be faithful where God has you until he takes you somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. It's good. Well, let me ask you, because like your, your life has kind of taken the opposite route of mine, right? Because you were a senior pastor first. Yeah. Then you you went into (laughs) youth ministry. Yeah. And so like, tell us how that transition worked. Yeah. Okay. So, um, where to start? So, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm, uh, starting from the beginning, gave my life to Christ at a young age, um, I'll really kind of over, give an overview of this, gave my life to Christ at a young age, grew up in the church that you were blessed to serve. Um, and I say you were blessed to serve because I was in your student ministry now, but um, where it was a blessing to have you serve. Um, but um, you came in my freshman or sophomore year while I was a student there. At that time, uh, I was a Christian in name only as far as in my own mind of what I wanted. Right. And so I, I had um, entrenched myself in a lot of personal sin and uh, worldly pursuits. And uh, I think God used you and other, um, you know, young brothers and sisters in the faith to um, show me what it looked like to live out the Christian life um, faithfully, honestly, uh, pursuing holiness and so um, I, I remember, I always tell the story, I don't even know if you know this, but I remember one time you called me, um, a new youth pastor, after we hadn't had one, you called me and said, hey, do you want to come by the office, say hey, or something like that. I don't, I don't even remember the context of it. Um, and I remember I stopped by your office and um, uh, all that you had for me was just, hey, I don't know if you or any other guys want to just kind of get together or, you know, or interested in discipleship or anything like that. Well, I was actually, um, you know, 30 minutes before that um, doing something that was sinful and, and, and brought shame upon the name of Christ. And, uh, and so my thoughts were, Oh man, this guy uh, is going to pull me into his office. My dad's going to be there. My mom's going to be there. And this is just going to be a setup. It's like an intervention, you know, whatever. So um and yet, man, with great compassion, you just wanted to care for me and for my relationship with Christ. And um, and that had a profound effect on the next two years of my life as I um, repented of some, um, uh, you know, persistent sins in my life and um, began to pursue a personal relationship with the Lord uh, in the sense of having a quiet time, opening my Bible on a daily basis, seeking him out, um, putting to death sin. Um, and so uh, over the course of about a year and a half, um, of kind of dealing with what was, um, what had become dormant sin in my life. Um, uh, you know, Christ over about a year and a half, um, felt called into, um, into ministry. Didn't know what that looked like. Didn't have a clue. Is it super summer after my junior year, I was 17 years old and I was like, dude, I, I think the Lord's calling me into ministry. Don't really know what that looks like at all. And I was like, am I crazy here? Um, and, uh, you're like, no, uh, pray about it tonight. And so I called my grandpa, who is a former pastor, and I called my dad and, you know, I prayed with them. Well, long story short, you, under your great counsel and the counsel of good godly men and women at FBC West Plains, um, 
changed my plans of going to Mizzou and playing drums there to going to SBU and studying ministry there. Um, I served at a church plant for two years um, uh, in the student ministry and um, played music for some of their Sundays and became an intern at Freshwater Church in Bolivar, Missouri. Well, two years in, the pastor there, um, who had a, a great impact on my life, came up to me and said, hey, there's this small country church, you know, 12 miles north of, of Bolivar that is looking for someone to fill their pulpit this Sunday. Would you go and preach? And I was like, uh, let me, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that, right? And that's basically my response. And at that time, I maybe had preached like one sermon, not on a Sunday, not on even a Wednesday. Um, I, I maybe had preached maybe in student ministry once my senior year but um, I was terrified. So uh, I was like, you know, why would the Lord not want me to? So I went and preached that Sunday. Long story short, they called me back the next Sunday and said, hey, will you come preach again? We still don't have anybody. A small country church, 40 people maybe in attendance uh, at a very full weekend. And um, uh, not too long after that, filling in on Sundays, they asked if I'd be the interim pastor, Rondo Baptist Church. And so um I prayed about it, told him I pray about it and uh, served. Uh, I was, say my sophomore year, I was 19, uh, served until I finished my sophomore year. And then I already had a plan to come and intern with you at FBC West Plains that summer. Um, right. That, that's, that's right. Right. So I went, I so. And, yeah, I came and I interned with you in student ministry after I had been an interim for, I think three months at that time. Um, and they asked me right before I left for the summer, hey, would you would you consider being our pastor, at least putting your application in? What that meant was no one else was putting an application in or <laughs> they, they didn't have like it on sbc.net. And so I gave them my resume, even though they knew everything about me. And midway through the summer, they had had a business meeting and voted me to come as their pastor. And so I remember walking outside. It was actually on a Wednesday night where they called me. And they were like, we want you to come serve as our pastor. And so uh, I prayed again, you know, prayed once more about it. And um, uh, I think I talked with you about it and went back a 20 year old becoming the the lead pastor, quote unquote, the only pastor of a small country church for about two and a half years. And um, I have very, very great memories of that time. I still get calls from Tom Bewley and Bob Pitts and uh, Ed and Jan Henry and uh, served there. Uh, learned what it uh, meant to not only study the scriptures in undergraduate school as a Bible study major, but learned what uh, it looked like to love people who just were just great faithful saints. I mean, our median age was probably 75. And to think that they would actually listen to me as I preach the word is all of God's grace. Um, So uh, I, uh, long story short, I, after two and a half years there serving, um, felt called to serve as a student while well, next generation pastor uh, at Mount Vernon, Missouri. Um, and, and finances were a part of that. Truly, it was about to get married and, you know, 150 bucks, 200 bucks a week just wouldn't cut, you know, being able to be rough. Right. Um, and so um, that was very difficult for me because I truly love those people. And I'm thankful for how much they loved on me and my wife uh, or my almost wife at that time. And uh, three months later, after I had left the church at Rondo to go serve in Mount Vernon, Missouri, uh, they showed up in like a 1970s van 
uh, to our <laughs> wedding. And it was so cool. So since then I've served in churches in Mount Vernon, Missouri. Uh, I served in a church in Arkansas and then now I serve at Tampa and man, I feel like I'm in the promised land. I get to serve the great people of this church and, and the greatest place in the United States. So, um, sorry. Well, that was... You would not want to serve in Tampa next to the beach and sunshine. And I can look out my window and see our river walk downtown. It is a pretty cool thing, man. So I'll just tell you, I got up this morning. It was like 40 degrees here and the wind was blowing. So much it, better there. So, so, it, Hey, tell me, yeah. tell me about your experience. Like, how do you feel like your time at Rondo Oh, quit showing me 82 80. degrees there. That's that's wrong. Uh, no, that's all right. Um, tell me how you feel like your time at Rondo as a senior pastor affected you now as a youth pastor. And then I'm after you get done with that, I'm going to tell you some ways that I feel like probably that helped you uh, that the ways that I didn't have. And so, yeah. Um, so I'm serving in a church median age is like I said, probably 75. Right. Um, and, uh, and I, and I hope I can say this on the podcast, um, that area of Missouri um, has historically been one of the, the, the more impoverished areas of Missouri. And so, um, you know, I was, uh, I was meeting, you know, uh, being, it was there 75, I was in the, I was in the hospital visiting often, you know, um, uh, different people from our church. Uh, I was in homes visiting. I didn't have an office, right? So I was in homes visiting people, uh, probably not as often as I should because I was still a student and 19 years old. Uh, but um, uh, but I, I went to homes pretty often, right, to visit with, with families from our church. And, um, you know, there, there was not much glitz and glam, you know, and involved in all of that. I'm seeing your message right now. And I'm sorry. That's funny. Um, but there was not, there was not much, there wasn't anything big and there wasn't anything like, I didn't have a budget. Like I didn't even have a, like, like I literally didn't have a budget before me that was like, Hey, I have $300 to spend on bringing a popcorn machine and a blow up slide outside. It was basically, mm -hmm. Hey, week in a week out, meet with your people, pray with your people and preach to your people. Right. Um, and so I think that trained me to kind of see, okay, what is ministry? First and foremost, I am to lead uh, and shepherd by being the one who teaches and cares, right? Um, that kind of began to frame my ministry. And so, I mean, I probably don't look like the cool, like big, brash, awesome, fun, activity, 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 idea, 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 youth pastor, probably because I spent two and a half years just ministering to people, many of whom were on their deathbed and many of whom, um, uh, you know, had very little and our church didn't have much. And so um, I don't know, that, that's, that's a short version. I didn't think through the answer to this question. So, well, no, I think, I think you're exactly right. Like, cause I, I look at my own life and think how I would have, it would have been much better for me to do it the way you did it. Because like, you know, I always thought I was just going to do youth ministry forever. And so I focused on a microcosm of the church rather than understanding that, no, this is one big entity and we're all pastors over it. And so I think I think it's one thing that I've learned since becoming a senior pastor. And I, like I felt that as a youth pastor as well. But the different titles we have as far as senior pastor, lead pastor, youth pastor, like we're the same basic function in all of them. 
is like we're all pastors and we might we might minister to a different segment but we're but we're really pastors to the whole as well and so um so yeah i think that has served you well um just just seeing your ministry and and things that you've done i feel like um being able to minister to people of all ages because you know as well as i do doing youth ministry you're you're ministering to families not just students and so um in in your organization i believe is a huge asset to you and, and the way you carry the ministry out and so um i've told you before but i would definitely like to have you uh come so if anybody from first bed is tampa is listening just know I would really love for Trent to come here, but he loves you so much. He's refused me. And so, um, no, that's not true. I'm not trying to steal him, but I hope that the Lord allows us to serve in the same place one day. So. That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, hey, let's just end with this question. I think it'd be somewhat interesting. So we both find ourselves in uh, the Southern Baptist denomination, which has, over the last year of not gathering, uh, not quote unquote made our hearts grow fonder as much as it has divided us in many ways. And part of that is just, um, you know, everybody has a voice on social media to say whatever they want to say about whatever they want to talk about. Um, and so we're going into uh, a gathering uh, this summer as a Southern Baptist convention, uh, and a lot of topics will be brought up. Now, I don't want to narrow our audience and our perspective too much because Southern Baptist, Methodist, whatever you might be, there's a lot of division amongst the church right now, right, over particular issues. So let's talk just for a moment. Hey, what do you think would be practically helpful for local churches to hear? Let's talk about that. And then what do you think is the um, a big pressing issue that we need to address or, or, um, or persist in as the local church. So particular things that might aid local congregations, like, hey, you guys need to be doing this. This would be very helpful, right? Um, uh, and it can be anything. And then, okay, what, what, what issue do you think is a really pressing issue we need to um, push against, press forward in, whatever it might be? Well, I think um, I'm going to answer both of those questions in one. Okay. Because I think they both have the same answer. Um, one of the things I think is important for the local church to be doing is focusing on, um, on community. And what I mean by that is interpersonal relationships um, within the church and even developing interpersonal relationships with people outside the church, lost people. And so like, um, several years ago, I went to a conference and there was uh, some people there that they were talking about a book that had recently come out called The Art of Neighboring, because people have forgotten how to be a neighbor. They've forgotten how to, to you know, just extend that courtesy and love toward people that live around them. And so like, I, I think that's one thing that would be important for the church to realize is that we have a responsibility and stewardship for the people that we're around. And so like, I believe God has planted me in Batesville, Arkansas and you in Tampa, Florida for a specific purpose for a specific people. And so while I'm pastoring this church and my primary responsibility is to the flock here, 
I think that I also have a secondary responsibility to the people of this community to reach them with the gospel of Jesus. And I think that that one of the primary ways you do that is by developing relationship with people. Like we have gone through a period, probably in Southern Baptist life, that um, the emphasis was on, um, I would say, I'm going to term it cold call evangelism. So like you go out and you see somebody one time and you present a plan of salvation uh, to them at that point. And I, I, I'm, I'm not against that. I just don't know that that's the most effective way. I've seen people come to Christ that way. And so like, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to limit the Lord and how he chooses to uh, redeem people because I, even though I just saw that individual one time, it might've been the eighth time they'd heard the gospel or whatever. And so right. just my, the Holy spirit, working to that point. But, um, but I think that if we could sit down and get to know people and present the gospel in relationship, um, we gain more of a hearing with people whenever we do that. Um, I also think that's essential for the church to, to develop those relationships inside the church because, because of social media, because of technology and everything that we encounter today, like there's a tendency for us to live isolated lives, even within a church. Um, mm. You know, it used to be whenever I was growing up, like we went out to we went out to lunch after church almost every Sunday. Now I grew up in Willow Springs, which was 30 minutes from West Plains. So like we had to drive, we drove 30 minutes to eat lunch uh, after church. And there was a lot of times like my parents would invite somebody to go with us. We would be invited to go with somebody else. And we were developing those relationships. Uh, and me as a kid, like I learned so much just sitting there and listening. Now, I didn't always enjoy it whenever my parents talked for two hours after they ate. Right. So like it's three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and we're like the waiters in the restaurant are just like, are you people ever going to leave? Um, but but there we are. And like I'm just listening to this and, and their interactions and I'm I'm gleaning, even though I don't know it, like I, I'm, I'm absorbing their conversations and their faith. And so uh, the reason I think that, that that is important for the church to be doing both inside and outside the church is, is because I think the church has taken on the, the um, attitudes and actions of the culture whenever, whenever, we're, whenever we're looking at the fragmentation of the culture. And so like whether it's over the issue of politics or a particular um, doctrinal um, division that somebody might have, uh, I, I would say particularly politics. And that's been more pronounced in the last year or sure. so uh, than it has uh, in previous times. But, but in that area, like it's just exposed a weakness that we have not taken the time to sit down and really know our brothers and sisters and consider them family. Mm. Because I think if you do that, even if you have differing political views, like that love covers a lot. Yeah. And you, you know, if you know somebody else's heart, you're not nearly as likely to get on Facebook and rant about them right. or whatever social media you have. And so I, I think, I think taking the time to really develop deep personal relationships and that's, you know, like we want everything right now. And that's not, that's just not reality when it comes to relationships, you're not going to, you know, just like you don't have a relationship with somebody who 
is just your friend on Facebook. Mm. Um, you don't have a relationship with somebody that you just sit next to in a pew on Sunday morning. Right. Like there has to be more than that. And so I think if that happens through small groups, but even, even through just, Hey, what are you doing Thursday night? Won't you come over for supper mm. kind of thing? Like there has to be more intentionality in the church to develop relationships so that we don't have the division and the fighting um, like is typical to be seen today. So, yeah, I think as, as pastors, we have a hard job right now in front of us because every uh, issue related to COVID has been very politicized. Mm. And because COVID has put many into a period of isolation, um, they're being catechized many of our own people are being catechized more by the news than by, and I don't sound, I mean to sound cheesy here than the good news, Right. Yeah. And so we have to, in many cases, work against the mindset of um, vitriol and hate that's being spewed online from a computer uh, that someone's on 10 hours a day because they're not doing anything else. They're, they're quarantining. And so, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about taking proper precautions. All I'm saying is there is a negative effect of, in perpetual isolation mentally, um, relationally, and even spiritually um, mm. disconnecting from the local church, disconnecting from um, friendly relationships and um, disconnecting from even what looks like, friendship, gentleness, respectfulness, right? And so we have a hard task ahead of us and hey, re-catechizing our people that, that are now connecting back in the life of our local church. Um, I would so say this. Just yeah, let yeah. me interrupt here. Yeah. Like explain what you mean by catechizing. Um, yeah. So um, when I'm using that phrase, of course, a catechism is a re uh, religious uh, uh, doctrinal instruction format to have questions and answers um, so, so a catechism, for example, catechism is a question and answer um, method of teaching doctrine, right? That's what a catechism is. It's not just is. a Catholic thing. It's not just a Catholic thing. But a catechism is um, uh, actually we're, we're catechizing our son. And what I mean by we're catechizing our son is we're not putting holy oil on his head and right and taking him to mass and leading him to recite certain prayers. No, every night we open the Bible with him. Uh, we have a method of opening a Bible with him and using a question and answer format for, Hey Judah, what is our only hope in life and death? And Judah, our three-year-old will say, not our own belong to God. And what he means by that is that we are not our own, but we belong to God, right? He's memorized these certain phrases. Um, hey Judah, uh, how and why were we created? God created us male and female in his image to glorify him, right? And so these are the foundational doctrines of who our God is and what our God has done throughout history for his glory that need to be memorized, known, repeated, and kept and buried deep within who we are. And the problem is when we're constantly filling ourselves with everything else in the world, we forget, hey, what is true about me? What is true about God? And how might I live in light of that? Um, because we're being told this is happening and this is happening. And truly we're being catechized more by the world than we are by the word. So um, we're in an uphill battle right now as, as, as pastors, I think. Right. And I just talked to a, a pastor friend today who's really struggling right now um, with anxiety and um, is really struggling right now um, 
just kind of battling depression because of this uphill battle that we find ourselves in. So, man, if I'd have a, an encouragement to anybody right now, it would be twofold. It's just kind of been in my mind. And, and I know we're already going pretty long on our time. It is, uh, um, but it is to feast, to feast. Um, now, what do I mean by that, right? Uh, well, when you have a big feast, you're around friends and family, right? Well, our church is made up of forever family, right? Um, we're a part of the family of God. We're stones of his temple and we're citizens of his kingdom. And we need to come and feast. And what do we feast upon? Well, we feast upon his word, right? And we do so with laughing and with joy and with expectation and with excitement and with um, even weeping sometimes, right? I mean, you feast at a, a funeral, right? Uh, and you do so with family and friends hugging you and holding you and praying for you and praying with you. But you do so around the dinner table, knowing that, hey, I'm here for you. You're here for me. Right. And so there might need to be some weeping over sin. Um, there might need to be some weeping over uh, persecution. Right. That's happening. Um, there might need to be weeping over people who haven't trusted in the Lord, but there needs to be joy around the table. And we need to come to the table because we've not been at the table in a long time. And man, we need the table more than any time before uh, to remind ourselves that, hey, there's a greater table coming. Right. Um, so I'd say to feast. And secondly, I would just say, hey, we need to remember that at the end of the day, um, we are warriors. And that sounds like I'm bringing this like uh, 1990s we're in the Lord's army mentality, but um, there's some of that I think we need to bring back. Here's what I mean. Uh, I was reading second Corinthians chapter 10, and it basically says that we have weapons of warfare and uh, that, that we, these weapons of warfare are basically bringing the knowledge of God to the folly of the world, right? Um, bringing truth to bear to the world. And so I was with our young adults last night and uh, I was hearing them sing. We had the most young adults we've had in the gathering on a Wednesday night in a while. And I just stopped for a minute and just like listen to them sing. And I just went up to them afterwards. And I, and I said right now, uh, or, or I said to them right after that, I said, singing is warfare. It's warfare, right? Because you are holding out the truths of God to a world that opposes it. And with gentleness and respect, bringing truth to bear against the world, right? You're engaging in warfare. And my goodness, God has decided that he wants to enlist you in his army, right? Uh, and so, yeah, cheesy song, I'm in the Lord's army, but it's true, right? And so as, we're, as I'm catechizing my three-year-old, I'm training him to be a warrior. As we gather together, we're, we're engaging in warfare every Sunday so that we can, yes, bring prisoners of war to honor and know and give allegiance to the one who is truly on the throne. Right. So uh, I, I think we need to not forget we're, we're in the middle of a war right here and we get to be in his army. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, and, and we can feast right during war because we know who's going to win. He makes a presence, uh, right. He, or, sorry. He, he makes a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Like sure. that's crazy. So, um, all right. I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent there, but that's good, man. That's good. Well, uh, any last words before we sign off? Any resources you just want to shout out? Uh, no. I I shared the one I've, I've been reading this uh, book on corporate worship this week uh, that I shared last time, and uh, it's really good. So I'd encourage anybody to get that. It's from Nine Marks, Building Healthy Churches series. Um, but uh, I would definitely uh, encourage you. Uh, you know, if nothing else, just find a book and read. My goodness. Mike, uh, you cannot read enough, I don't think. So. Yeah. 
if you want, I'm going to recommend a book. If you want just grace um, to you, read Gentle and Lowly. Like if you haven't read Gentle and Lowly by Dan Ortland, read Gentle and Lowly. I mean, very, very good. So um, many people have been shouting out that book for a good reason the past couple of weeks. And so read Gentle and Lowly. Yeah. Um, why don't you sign us off, man? All right. Well, we, uh, we are glad that you joined us this time. And uh, we know we, have, we weren't in Revelation this time, but we will jump back into that hopefully next time. Uh, but hopefully this was a way for you to get to know us a little bit better. And uh, we would ask that you would go ahead and send us a comment. Let us know uh, what you've enjoyed about the podcast, uh, what you haven't enjoyed about the podcast. Uh, but give us a review if you don't mind so other people can find this as well. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you next time.